She was in a spot. It was some sort of fancy rig from Duck Bootstrap's old office. It wanted to adjust to make her all comfy. She didn't want it to. I'm Belle. Or Bella. Hi. She waved at the couch, also from Bootstrap's office. Have a perch. The blonde gave a quiet nod and crossed the room, sitting stiffly on the edge of the cushion. The echo uniform they had issued her was a bit loose, and she pushed the sleeves up to her elbows before crossing her arms over her chest. So, she started quietly. You a shrink, or do you just do the triage and pass me to the next person? I'm not a shrink, but I'm also not triaged. Bella rubbed her temples a little. Doc Bootstrap, who used to own this furniture, is DOA in the invasion. At the moment, Echo doesn't have anyone who did what he did. Shrinks, yes, but shrink with empathy, no. And no one can do, it seems, what I can. She grimaced a little. They seem to think, as my mentor thinks, I can do a bit of empathic rewiring. If you're willing. I can try to fix you. Like, permanently. But I have to warn you, I've never worked on anyone as seriously messed up as you are. Mel stared at her for a moment, trying to figure out if the blunt honesty and matter-of-fact statements were a cover for something else. Seriously messed up? Yeah, you must not be a doctor like the rest of them. They'd always try to sugarcoat it. There was another pause and the corner of Mel's mouth lifted in a very faint smile. What's the words that you've tackled before me? A couple of people with hysterical claustrophobia after being buried in the remains of the Echo Tower. I have a friend I am not even going to touch without a hell of a lot more practice. The smile turned into a smirk. So, you know your link. I can respect that. You thought the bull or just read what the army docs wrote? Because there's messed up and there's all-inclusive foobar. Mel sniffed and shifted in her seat. And if Echo's recruiting from the second, then things must be pretty bad. Bella shifted in the chair. Well, that's where the whole rewiring part comes in. There's foobar which is what my friend Vic is, and then there's you, which is... She drummed her fingers on the chair arm, trying to select the right words. Look, what happened to you got treated with drugs early on, so it's not the massive scar mass that Vic has. She's like a kitten got into a whole basket of yarn and turned it into a nightmare. You, I think, and my mentor thinks, I can untangle and heal. Am I making sense? Sort of. 
least you're being honest, which is more than I can say to anyone else I met before. She let out a long breath and pushed her hair away from her face. People tried something besides drugs at the beginning. The issue wasn't that it couldn't work with the time, it was more. Mel paused, pressed her lips together, and looked Stella eye to eye. What did you do before they hauled you here? You're too young to have been doing this since before everything went to hell. Paramedic, Las Vegas FT. Augmented class and healing powers Echo Op 1 on permanent assignment from Echo Rescue. Now, she twisted a piece of hair around her finger. They class me as an Op 2.5 and I keep getting stronger, being able to do more stuff. It's kind of scary. Mel nodded slowly, arms uncrossing as she moved forward. The first person to try and help me was probably twice as old as me, sweet and tough as nails nurse had been in all sorts of messy situations. It wasn't the ability, it was... Her voice lowered, and there was a sense of shame in the words. What she saw. They'd start, I'd slip, and then they'd have to deal with the projections. Just that easier to drug me and let me go for the sanity of whomever drew the short straw. Yeah, I read all that. And, well, this is going to be a lot different. It's either going to work or not. My mentor thinks it will. I trust her. She's not wrong that I know of, ever. So, I kind of had that to hang on to. She shook her head. Look, I'm rambling. Let me just tell you what I need to do, and you tell me if you're up for it, because I can promise you... It's going to be a hell of a harder on you than me. Okay? Okay. I get inside your head. All the way in, which means you don't get to hide anything. This is like, well, way more intimate than most people can handle, so you really, really need to want to try this. Then, I trigger the first traumatic memory. I will be in there with you for it. This is the full empathic version of desensitization treatment, what the nurse tried. We get through that one. The next session we handle the next memory. I'll be doing a healing treatment as I desensitize you to rewire the neural pathways so that it stops being a trauma trigger and just becomes a shitty memory. That makes sense? Mel nodded slowly. How far back do you go? Just to what caused things, or... She fidgeted and took a deep breath. Never mind. You did Vegas, I'm sure there's not much that would turn you colors. Bella laughed. Paramedic on the strip and off it. Oh, honey, you would not believe the things we removed from places they shouldn't have been. I tended in the quarter. Wouldn't be surprised much, although you'd probably miss the Cajun flavor. She laughed as well, tension broken for the moment. So, is there another room, machines, cranky bald men in white coats? You lay back. I turn the lights down. We aren't going in chronological order. We're going from worst memory and working our way up. She paused. And don't worry about the projections because I won't see them. I'll be with you, 
holding your hand, and we'll fight it out together. That's the difference. Every other time you've been alone. She did as Bella instructed, although she gripped the edge of the couch cushion in anticipation. Bella fingered the lighting controls and took things down to just short of dark, then scooted her chair closer to the couch and took Mel's tense hand in hers. Touch telepath. Just don't break my fingers. Then she closed her eyes and insinuated herself into Mel's mind, found the spot that radiates the most pain, and poked it. It was dark and impossibly humid, with the heavy scent of burnt hair and broken electronics. The others in the box had clothes. One even had a light blanket. But Mel had curled herself into the farthest corner. Hands cupped over her mouth. She breathed in the sweat and dust on her hands, rather than the decay that had taken over the others. Outside, she could hear the screams. It was the kid, the one who had spent the ride out talking about his girlfriend, and she waited for the gunshots. There were never any gunshots. Gunshots would have meant some end to the torture, but that never happened. She felt something like a presence, as if someone was holding her hand, only not. It's a memory, kiddo. It's just a memory. I'm right here. I'm with you. The door, the hatch on the top, slipped open, and a rough voice barked at her as several guns pointed the corner where they knew she would hide. A bucket of foul-smelling water emptied into the box to wake her up, and further the stench of rot. The three with her had been there for weeks. She could taste death if she moved her hands. The kid tumbled into the box, partially clothed and shaken. There was a flare of hope at the first sign of life, and it took control to wait until the catch closed before she could crawl over to him. Guilt, yeah, I know. Already you're feeling guilty. There's nothing you can do. Not just compassion. There was been there, too. Shared empathy. Sisterhood. Closer than God. We know. Only we know this who share it. He was face down, the blood pooling around his face and neck. Rev? Rev, they said you were alive here. They said you knew how to make it stop. He lifted his head, and Mel choked back a sob as the kid tried to look on her with sightless eyes. He'd been cut from ear to ear, his young face methodically marked to cause him the most pain without allowing him to die immediately. She held him by his shoulders and turned him over on his back, blood from the wounds on his neck pooling around her bare legs and feet. Ravi? Say something. I can't see nothing in here. It's too dark. I'm here. The, the others are here. They're, they're just sleeping. It hurt to keep her voice calm, the bile rising in her throat as he tried to look at her. I'm here with you. Can you make it stop? Even as he spoke, the bit of life left in him trickled out over her skin. They said you knew how to make it stop, but you wouldn't tell them. You could have tricked them, 
right? It wasn't that easy, but she couldn't tell the kid that. She tried to say something, but he gripped at her arms with burned fingers. Can you make it stop, Rez? Just for a little while? Stop. The moment froze. She stood somehow outside herself, looking down at herself, with the blue gown, Bella, standing with her. I've shut off all the emotional loading for a second now. Now this is what you couldn't do at the time. Look at everything logically and dispassionately. Like I am right now. Look. Analyze. Is there one single thing you could have done to change anything? Standing outside herself, Mel could see the room, the bodies, the blood. She could draw upon the fragments of what she remembered about the area around the box, the numbers of people, and the resources they possessed. No. They were going to go through the group one by one. They wouldn't touch a female matter, and they knew enough to not give me the chance to retaliate. They'd have done everything else, even if we told them what they wanted to hear. That was the moment when something changed inside her. She actually felt it. Subtle. Like, exactly like what Bella had described. Rewiring. A new circuit opened. One tiny little change. Go. The moment unfrozen time. She was back inside herself but the watchful presence was still there. I can give you a good dream and make it go away for a little while, she was saying, but the guilt didn't carry the same heavy hurt as before. Can you let me do that? He nodded, his head against her leg as she tried to piece together what he told her about his girl back home, tried to replace the dark rot of the box with an Alabama springtime and tried to make him believe that he was taking a summer nap in the sunshine. Then the memory faded out. She felt, well, it was exactly like waking out of the nightmares, except, except she wasn't alone. She felt the couch under her first, then the tears on her face, then her hand being held. She heard sniffles. Um, mind if I let go of your hand? We both need some Kleenex. She still had the iron grip on Bella's fingers. With no small sense of embarrassment, Mel dropped the thin blue hand and pushed herself up to a sitting position, arms hugging her knees as she rubbed her eyes with her sleeve. Sorry, she mumbled. I hope I didn't break your fingers. Nothing to be sorry about. The lights came up to half normal, and Bella shoved a wad of Kleenex at her. Oh, kiddo, you did good. Then and now. God damn, you are strong. Bella mopped at her eyes and blew her nose. That was three weeks in. It wasn't my first tour, so I'd seen people done worse, just not. She dabbed at her nose and folded the tissue in a tiny square between her forefinger and thumb. Not for that long. 
not that close. It was a smell that broke it after so long. You can shut your eyes and plug your ears with the air. Yeah. Mel took a deep breath. It takes everything I have to go that far. After weeks, I didn't have it. She swiped at her nose again. So, what happens next? Well, I have good news and bad news. The good news is, that is the worst we'll have to go through together. The bad news is that we'll be hitting that same memory path a couple more times to groove the new path in. Then we'll go on to the next worst. Can you handle this? Will it put me on patrol faster if I say yes? The question was immediate and sincere. Oh, shite, yes. This is doable. I can fix you. I can do it without taking the memories. But I'll never, ever let them do that. It's what will make you what you are. It was Bella's turn to fix Mel with that direct and sincere stare. One survivor to another. We need that guilt. We don't need it to cripple us, but we need it to keep us human and, yeah, humble, I guess. And that is, she waved a hand full of Kleenex vaguely. We have these godlike powers. We need this sight to remind us we're not gods. We're just people that can do things. And when the instrument hits the rotating blades, it gets on us, too. She took a deep breath. Huh. Now I sound like... Never mind. If you're up for this, I'm all in for it, too. We can go around, too, right now, if you can take it. Now. It was neither question nor demand, but more now contemplating the offer aloud. She ran a fingernail over the dark fabric that covered her knees and gnawed on her lip, eyes darting back and forth. So, I wouldn't have to take my meds in a week? I could request assignment after that? She lifted her head and offered an apologetic shrug. I haven't been on duty in years. I just want to be useful, that's all. Blame the army. Bella laughed shakily. Dad Army. No cookie. Yeah, this is going to take about the same amount out of both of us, but I'm going to guess that three sessions a day for a week should do it. And it is never going to get worse than it just was. It will always be a little better each time. Then, softly. And, thanks. I just want to be useful, too without having to kill someone to do it. This time, Mel reached out for Bella's hand and gave it a reassuring pat. With the touch came a rush of what might have been feedback if it hadn't been offered as a sort of explanation and example rather than an accidental release. She saw and felt a shadow of what had transpired with the rems, including the combination of emotion from Bella as the banger crumpled under her mental bludgeon. With what you've got, you have to know the difference between want and need. You did what needed to be done. You didn't head out there wanting to have that be the end result. But I need to get to the control, so I know, beyond a doubt, 
that isn't the only option open to me. I need to be a laser, not a sledgehammer. Bella nodded, swiping at her eyes again. Fixing you will help me get that control. So, this is for both of us. She straightened. Okay, round two. Mel smiled and unfolded herself to lay on the couch once more. Round two. It was the same space, dark and rotting, but the four bodies had been pushed against the earthen wall. Mel hugged the kid's jacket around her tightly, the tags from her comrades kept safe in an inside pocket. Six days had passed since the last time the hatch had opened, and the noises she had heard hadn't involved any bits of broken English. She breathed through her hands and rocked herself back and forth, her own illusions letting her see the four men as simply asleep in their bedrooms as a calm summer sky stretched beyond them. Gunfire rattled the space above her, bullets piercing the wooden hatch on the box. The noise broke the false dream, and Mel crouched in the corner. There was more gunfire and shouting, and she tensed as something heavy slammed against the wood. By this time, the feeling of having Bella with her was familiar and comforting. The ghost in the back of her head, that was not an illusion. They knew where she would be if they opened the hatch. It wasn't unusual for these sorts of cells to change leadership and give up on their prizes, which meant that Mel was no longer of worth to whomever had taken charge. Struggling to breathe through the dust and the snow, she crawled on her belly to where her comrades lay and positioned herself between the wall and the bodies. They had expected her to die anyways, but to confirm that, they'll have to find me first. The hatch opened, and bullets showered the space where she had cowered and cringed for the past weeks. One of the cell's flunkies dropped into the space, semi-automatic at the ready as he surveyed the corner. Mel felt the urge to retch as she waited for him to turn. I'll contact. I just need to see his eyes, she thought. And when he turned to face her, she counted three and got up, and to the flunky it was as if the entire pile of bodies had risen up to retaliate. He screamed, and a second flunky dropped into the box. The second saw not only the bodies of the soldiers as vengeful undead, but also the man who was screaming. To make it even more authentic, Mel gave the first the face and hollowed-out eyes of the kid they tortured. Panic ensued, with the pair babbling as she scrambled out of the box, pushing the same horrifying image on anyone she saw. To anyone outside, it would have looked as if the cell members had gone mad, shooting at each other or screaming in fright and fleeing. To everyone there, including Mel, all they could see were copies of the same empty face, the same tattered fatigues, all they could hear was the same wailing cry, and the smell of death and rot grew and filled the compound until it choked the air. She tried to run, but the illusion was so vivid, so utterly real to even her. Mel froze just outside the door. Another group wearing combat fatigues and heavy gear came down the hallway, rifles trained on her as they approached. She threw the same sights, sounds, and smells at them in desperation, the projected nightmare coming to a crashing halt and the twin leaves of the stun gun hit her damp skin and brought her to the ground. Stop. It was the familiar routine and welcome now. 
The memory froze even as she started to fall, and she stood outside herself, looking at the scene. The hero's presence was warm and supportive. You know the drill. Mel felt herself nod, felt the same cool detachment from the scene. It was a solid flat scenario. I had to get out, even if it meant leaving them in the box. I used what I did as a resource to survive. And the ones here, the focus went to the group in combat fatigues, the small patches identifying them as members of the United States Marine Corps, something easy to recognize as the memory stood still, but difficult to see through the fear and panic. They should have brought a medal with them. Lack of preparation on their part does not mean that I'm responsible for my actions. Right? Absolutely. And give them credit. They might not have had a mental matter available, but they recognized immediately what you were doing and took appropriate action given that they didn't have the power to take you out. And one more thing. Your fellow soldiers were there for you as well as you for them. They would have been proud to give you that chance to escape. Good? Work. Guilt rose up, followed by a tidal wave of shame. But you use them the way I do. I know they never moved. I know the team was able to get them out and lift them home for their families. And still, it feels like I crossed the line. Like I disrespected them. Did they, or did they not, all carry organ donor on their tails? It was a coolly logical question, one that Mel had never considered. Me. We all did. How is that different? You give even after death so others may live. There was a life conformed. By coming to that conclusion herself and accepting it, she had formed it. Now Bella was making sure it was wired and hard, growing a couple new neurons in her brain. That was the physical reality. The emotional, the spiritual reality? Saving her sanity, and maybe her soul. Go. Mel faded into the fuzzy sensation as the Marines rushed forward, two in front as a third hefted her over a shoulder. She felt herself swing around, and a pair of gloved hands touched her face. There were short, crisp words that identified the speaker as someone she should trust, and he asked her about the other members of her team. She shook her head no, and the reminder triggered the same rush of illusions. The man in front of her fell back, eyes screwed shut as he tried to bark out an order to the others. Almost simultaneously, a dark cloth wrapped around Mel's eyes, and a needle hit the skin behind her ear. She dropped into a blissful state of nothing as she changed hands, and the rescue team made their way out of the compound. The memory dissolved as the first one had, the same waking sensation moving over Mel as she came out. Without thinking, she sniffed the air expecting that the same illusion had manifested during the session. She slipped her hand from Bella's and sat up, rubbing her face and pushing her hair back. You've got to stop moving like this, Bella drawled. People are starting to talk. 
Mel gave a rough laugh as she passed the box of tissues to Bella. Really? From the guys about her coming over here, you were cozy with the Ruskies. Something about how red and blue made purple. She blew her nose and tried to smile. Do you really have a guy who talks to squirrels? Be Jill. He's got the mind of a six-year-old. A sweet six-year-old. Before his accident, he was a leading scientist. Now he looks like a half-finished statue. He can eat anything. And he talks to squirrels. His name is Chug, and everyone over there loves him. She sighed. Anytime I start doubting the wisdom of trying to save humanity, I take him for a walk in the park. Sounds like good mutual therapy. She glanced at the clock on the wall. You might have time for one before it gets late. I mean, if you think I'm okay for the day. Mel fidgeted with the sleeve of her echo uniform. A week's worth of sessions with the blue touch telegraph had done wonders for her bruised psyche. In the same amount of time, Echo couldn't find her a shirt that fit properly. How many more weeks before I get to head out? You're about to find out. Bella moved her hand, and suddenly the office was flooded with the stench of rotting bodies. Mel jumped from the couch in a cold sweat, her body shaking as she fought with the knowledge that the smell couldn't be from actual decay and the memories of the box. For a moment, she visibly warred with the want to retreat into the couch, and she appeared as if she might vomit. Then, slowly and controlled, the office around them shifted to warm water-stained walls, feeling linoleum, and a polished bar top. Cigarette smoke and cheap whiskey replaced the smell of death, and the blonde's shoulders and back untensed in a methodical fashion. She took in a deep breath, then let it out, and the bar in New Orleans vanished, leaving Bella in the comfy chair. Awesome. Bella pushed another button. Purge the office before I puke, Frank. This one's certified for duty. You've been listening to The Secret World Chronicles, a podcast novel series. Thank you.